Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of High Character. We are here to recap the series that just was UMass versus Maine at Mullen Center. UMass uh, unfortunately dropped game one in overtime, three to two, and then uh, won the second game in regulation, four to two. Um, so four point weekend for UMass. My name is Cameron. I'm here with my good friend, Evan. Evan, how's it going, man? I mean, to be frank, a little tired. We're recording this at 1230 after the, the second game. I'm pretty much running on Hawaiian punch and vibes right now, but <laughs> we're cranking these out because all of our loyal fans want this type of content and we're going to give it to them. So I'm ready to get into this. Absolutely. And the vibes tonight are pretty good. The vibes as a whole for the weekend, maybe a little bit shaky. Uh, we'll kind of talk about our feelings as we as we go uh, through each game. But uh, four points against Maine at home uh, with the way the hockey standings look as of right now. Uh, not fully what we expected and wanted from this week, but uh, four points is still still pretty good. Uh, gets us up there. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it was a roller, co- roller coaster of emotions for me personally. I mean as we're going to get into with the first game, it was a gut punch. Like, it sucked. It's really unfortunate that it went the way it did. Um, I don't think we necessarily played as bad as, I mean, I'm kind of, and I was going to get into this, like, having a podcast, I think, is a lot better because we can kind of fully think through our emotions and kind of not just give an immediate knee-jerk reaction, which I think a lot of people gave after that game. Like, if we were to make a spaces on that game, you would have heard me hollering and swearing the whole time, just completely angry the whole time. But now that I actually have time to kind of look back on it, I don't think we played extremely poorly. The offense was going good. We got robbed by the goalie quite a few times. Um, I don't think the first game is as bad as we're, you know, we originally made it out to be. But again, having to cap it off with a winning game too was really good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, a lot of people felt like, uh, Friday night's game really put UMass behind the eight ball. Um, and I think after thinking about it more and after today's three points, uh, not behind the eight ball, but maybe just in a little bit, a little bit trickier situation than we had uh, before the series started. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we can get into game one, the game that kind of gave us those fits. Um, so in, in the first, a lot of people think that uh, Maine might've had the edge in the first period, um, I noticed a lot in the beginning, you, uh, Maine was leaving the slot wide open for UMass, uh, but tides kind of changed when Taylor McCarr had a, had a hooking penalty and it led to a main power play goal. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking back at it right now on Twitter just to try and refamiliarize myself. I mean, it's an unfortunate power play goal against. Um, from what I kind of see on the replay here, it looked like Trevino kind of pinched up a little too hard. And that kind of led to like a four on three, essentially, instead of a five on four, you know, you kind of take two guys out of the play there and a four on three, like, especially with the other D man stepping up the way he did kind of makes it a, you know, a tough situation to kind of get through. Um, Basically it was a really nice shot from the high slot. Um, Kind of, it beat Murray cleanly, but didn't necessarily beat the post cleanly. I think it ricocheted back and went off of Murray. It was an extremely unfortunate goal against, but I mean, the hooking call itself, I'm trying to remember it. I know that there was one call on Taylor McCarr where it was a very suspect call because he was already falling down at the time of the quote unquote hook. I don't know if it was this penalty. Um, he might've had another one later on. 
I believe it. I believe it was this one. It was. It, yeah, like you said, it was a little ticky tacky. And then on uh, in terms of Bobby on that play, I mean, nine times out of ten, we're going to be happy with that effort from him, and it's going to work out. Uh, interrupting the pass, but yeah, he he pinched a little too hard on the point. Guy skated in, dinged it off the post, and then that was Lyndon Breen's uh, one timer off the post. So uh, then things got really sketchy for UMass. Uh, they gave up a breakaway and uh, was saved by Murray. So uh, definitely started to sweat there. Uh, and then a little bit later in that period, UMass got a power play. Um, and Ufco had a pretty elite pass to Garrett Waite for a uh, power play goal to tie the game. Yeah, no, um, you're going to see this as a common theme, but throughout the whole weekend, Waite was on fire. Ufco played extremely well in his playmaking this weekend. And that's basically what you saw in this goal. Um Weight was just kind of perfectly out in front from what I can remember and tucked in a greasy goal. I mean, that's just maybe not greasy. You know, he, he, he plays in and around the front of the net and I wouldn't call it a snipe necessarily when he taps it in like that, but you need to have a little bit of accuracy and finesse to kind of get it into the right area. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a greasy goal, but it was definitely one of those power forward type, you know, really just get out in front and tuck it in type goals. Yeah, I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily greasy. I think Waits' positioning really sets him up well for those goal-scoring uh, goal opportunities. Any any kind of rebound, any pass in front, especially on the power play or with, with some bad uh, defense in the slot there, he he really thrives. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, as the play period went on, Maine got another power play. I, I thought they looked surprisingly well for that 11.7% uh, power play going in. And uh, as the period came to a close, it seemed pretty pretty evenly matched. I thought I thought Maine's goalie played really well, as was the theme for this whole series. But yeah, uh, pretty pretty even first period in that first game. Yeah, and I mean you got to figure too, like you really can't expect anything less out of this main team. Like Ben Barr's coming back, really wants his team to put on a good show, you know, to try and make him look better in front of the home fans, you know. And you got to figure too, like we're ranked ninth right now we're, we're going to be getting the best out of every team that we play from now on. Like if you, if you look at any team and you're looking on their calendar, boom, it's UMass just arrows pointing saying, ding, 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 got to play our hardest for this game. So we're never going to catch, you know, any teams necessarily bad day because they're always going to try and be on their A game when they play against UMass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We definitely get are the big circle on each team's schedule. So that's uh, something that UMass has to deal with the last few years, to be honest. And then uh, going into the second period, uh, just 22 seconds in, Bobby Trevino, we say his name all the time. He deserves it, quite honestly. Uh, just an absolutely unreal do-it-yourself goal, picked off a puck from, from a main defender and just skated alone to score. It was really impressive and something we're, we're really used to with Bobby these days. Yeah, and the thing I really want to highlight on this play was the patience. Um, he, he basically had the entire – like he could just skate across the entire crease. He waited basically until he was on the opposite side of the crease while the goalie was following him the whole way. And I think he talked at five hole. Like he was basically just waiting for the goalie to kind of open up his hips a little bit to expose the five hole and just immediately slid it in. Like that type of patience is NHL level. You know, like we really, you, you see that out of, you know, guys like Leonard, you know, guys like Kale, you know, <laughs> Kale's making those types of plays all the time. You know, when you have a good chance in front of the net, you don't want to immediately snatch at it. And he waited for his time and picked the shot perfectly. Yeah, for sure. And Bobby, man, just 
he's that good. He he is that good. He makes the difference on the ice, and you could see it every game. And uh, yeah, so as as the period went on, uh, not much scoring for a while after that. I thought I thought UMass seemed seemed pretty slow defensively compared to their first period play. Um, there was a there was a stretch in the offensive main zone where I thought Anthony Delgado was really slow. Might have been hurt. Uh, we didn't really hear any anything about him afterwards. So uh, wonder about that. And then uh, at the seven seven minute mark in the second period, um, just a, a a poor. That's I I guess that's all I could say about it. A poor defensive effort from from Morrow to allow um, Ben Poisson to have a breakaway and score on Murray to tie it at two. Yeah, um, the thing, Morrow, I don't think he necessarily played his best defensive game. Um, we know how gifted he is in the offensive zone. He's able to find passes. He's able to make dynamic playmaking moves. But just getting back in transition, I think what we've noticed a lot is that his top end speed isn't necessarily there. I think what he uses a lot is his agility and his shiftiness to try and make plays. But if you just talk about straight line speed, I don't think he's the fastest guy out there. And that really showed on this play. Like he, I mean, I have the, it pulled up right here. He had, I would say maybe three strides ahead of the guy that he was supposed to be covering. And he just straight up got blown past. <laughs> like if you have a head start like that and you're getting blown by like that by the forward, that's an issue. And I think it's it happened a few times in Morrow's case. We were not very happy with his speed and his effort going back into the D zone, and it exposed him here. And Murray got beat on a breakaway. <laughs> right, and it's the the ebb and flow with Morrow. Sometimes it's the 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 what are you doing defensive moment kind of thing. And then then a couple minutes after this goal, he had an insane play to shake loose a defender in the offensive zone and, and rung it off post, just missed a goal. So, so that's the, the kind of play that we've, we've been seeing from him lately. Uh, yeah. But then after that, the rest of the period uh, I thought was again, pretty even um, no really high quality chances until the, uh, till the very end of the period. And it went into intermission two two. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if it was in the second or the third period, but I got to give my, a little, a little tip of the hat to to Osman the uh, the main keeper he just was on his game that day I mean we were putting very good quality shots we had some really good chances and the way he was just making uncanny saves to keep them in the game it it was it was insane to watch like we could have easily had about five goals I think in that game and he had pulled out some 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 top tier saves to keep them in it yeah, and and speaking on Osman, that that kind of takes us to the third. A uh, lot more pressure from UMass going into the third. Uh, another post ringer, uh, some high some high quality shots, and then just the play of the series, Osman with the the crazy cross crease glove save um, that saved what would have been the go ahead goal. Uh, didn't didn't see if it made it. Probably should have been on Sports Center top plays. That's just how good of a how good of a goal uh, save that was for Osman. Yeah, 100%. He robbed, a, from what I'm seeing on this replay, it was Bobby. Just was basically dead to rights. Just was screened, had two of our players in front of him, you know, put up a pretty large rebound. Didn't even know where the puck was going. Looked to his left and just kind of did that classic, like, goalie reaction, just complete instinct lunge to the left and just said, please hit my gloves, please hit my <laughs> glove. And it did. And 
I mean, again, tip of the hat to him. It was an amazing save. It kept him in the game. And I think most of us know how this game ends. So I think we'll yeah. turn it over to you to describe. Yeah. So UMass had a, had some crazy pressure uh, going into and ending the third, uh, kind of closed out the third with less pressure than we were, than we were hoping couldn't really get a high quality chance in. Um, and then one, one minute into overtime, uh, Donovan Hool, uh, who we kind of previewed on on the preview episode, just got a nice pass on a two-on-one in overtime and buried it for the win. So, uh, yeah, dis- disappointing outcome to what ended up feeling like a very frustrating game. Yeah, I mean, it, it stinks knowing that we dropped points. Um, I don't think we necessarily played our worst game it really is unfortunate that it was against a team that hadn't had a road win. And I don't think they had a, a win against a ranked opponent it, on paper. It looks like a very bad loss, but I think they played way above their expectations. We kind of similar to the LIU game. They just kind of embraced the underdog status and just said, we're going to give it our all and see what happens. Um, it's, it's what happens when you're a ranked team, you know, you're always going to get the best of every opponent, but it's it's still frustrating to know that we had these types of lapses in the defensive end. Like two breakaways is unacceptable. You know, like you can't expect your goalie to bail you out on a breakaway. You want to prevent those types of chances. And we just simply didn't do that. Yeah. And I, I think to an extent you could talk about the the big game circled on main schedule, them showing up to play us, that kind of thing. I think I think the team has to take some accountability at some point mm-hmm. because two kind of sweated out wins against LIU. Uh, and then the next game you play Maine and you lose in overtime. I, I don't think we can necessarily just brush that under the rug is like, Oh, they, they came in and played hard because we're a good opponent. I think, I, I think something needs to be addressed in maybe the defense with those odd man chances. I know we've been talking about those a lot the last couple of weeks. I just, a, a loss that's in my eyes pretty inexcusable at this point in the season maybe in maybe at a different point in the season you could say oh uh it's the team getting their legs getting getting better suited to play with each other that kind of thing but at this point in the season mid-february it's just really hard for me to swallow a loss like this yeah i mean i completely agree with you and i'm i think i'm going to use this moment to play a little bit of devil's advocate here um at least on mains we have maybe not necessarily for LIU, but definitely for Maine. I mean, we're playing against a former coach. They're, he's going to understand how we play. He's going to understand how we prep. He knows the exact things that we're looking at every single time we look at another team's film. He, he knows how to prepare for us. This, this could very well be a case of Ben Barr saying, you know what, maybe we're just going to try and focus on UMass just so we can, we know, we know we can get a big win against them. You know, maybe they weren't even preparing as hard for the other games on their schedule. And they said UMass is where we're really going to try and take it to them. I have no idea what's going through Ben Barr's mind. It's a big reunion. It's a big day for him. Probably wants to put his best foot forward. So if that's, if that's what it's going to take for a team to prepare for us like that, you know, like I know that tends to happen a lot in like the NFL too. Like a lot of people against the Patriots, they're just circling that game on their radar and just saying, we're going to prepare for them for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah. I, I think the point you made about it being Ben Barr and being familiar with the, with the system here at EMS is definitely fair. Um, I think it'll, I think, we, we talked about it on the ride back from, from the second game. I think it'll be interesting to see UMass play Vermont uh, mm. in two weeks, a team very similar in pairwise rankings to, to Maine. Uh, both, both had 10 points uh, in hockey East going into this weekend. 
um, just with a coach who isn't as familiar with the players in the system as Ben Barris. I think, I think seeing UMass play against that would be pretty telling of where the, the team is at the moment. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the next couple of series because I think that'll really, you know, we're getting really close to that playoff crunch time. You know, it, we really can't be thinking about how we're going to warm up for playoffs anymore. Like it's, it's time, like we're here now. You know, right. I think the UConn series is going to be very telling because they're a very good team right now. Right. They're making a push for basically the regular season championship. Like they are, they are in the hunt. So they're if we're, solid. If we're able to, to put on a very good performance against them, I think we'll be in good shape. Like if we play well against them, we know that we're going to be in a good spot against, against, you know, playoff competition. Absolutely agree. Do you have any, anything, any more comments on, on the, the first game? Um, I think it's just going to be a case of, it's going to be a blip on the radar. I think if we can just move on, you know, we're, I mean, obviously we did move on once we talk about the next game, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it was a big gut punch. I was extremely upset after the game. I basically was like, get me the heck out of Mullins immediately. I don't even want to see this team right now, but then slept on it overnight. The next day was a lot better. I had my Ferraro Jersey. Like the vibes were just way better. Like everything was off about that game on Friday. Sam was skating the wrong direction during the, the plant, the flag thing. The lights didn't go off at the right time. I didn't have my Jersey. Everything just seemed a little bit weird. And then when we go into tomorrow, things were just completely, just a complete 180. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think you were the only one that, that thought the vibes were a little off on Friday. I think that was kind of a common theme. And uh, Saturday, vibes a lot better. Uh, we started the day going to the, to the basketball game, got to chat with Marcus Camby for a little bit after the win. All that felt good. Got lunch on campus. Evan had the jersey, everything like that. So the vibes, vibes were definitely better to start the night. Uh, yeah, and I guess we can go into into game two, and it started off uh, very quickly. Four minutes into the first, Garrett Waite talked about him before. We'll talk about him again. We'll talk about him more later. Uh, an elite pass from Lopina to set up the first goal to make it one nothing. Yeah, it was it was a great effort. I mean, again, doing his thing in front of the net. That's just it's what he does. You know what I mean? This is the type of player that he is. It's the type of player that we need. You know and I don't want to immediately kind of like put a, put a damper on this because this was a great goal and it was what we needed. But a thing that stuck out to me immediately at the beginning of this game was it was the first line always being the people to step up and make goals. And I think that's something that we should talk about a little bit later on is the depth scoring issue. But regardless, great goal. I have no complaints about the goal, but it immediately kind of put a light bulb in my head. And I just thought immediately, like, it's always Trevino. It's always that top defensive line. It's always weight and it's always Lapina. You know, like, it's just always those guys that are on, you know, like that starting lineup. They're the ones that are always putting pucks in the net. And I think we need to spread the wealth a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say, especially the last couple of weeks. It's been that that top line. And uh, I mean, it's kind of stuck to the theme a couple minutes later. Um, Bobby. Great pass to Mora with a great extra pass to Lopina to set up another goal to make it 2-0 uh, before the 10-minute mark in the first. Yeah, and this just shows you how well Moro can play in the ozone. And that's why it's so frustrating to see him play in other areas of the ice because you just he basically acts like a fourth forward out there. Like, the man plays defense, and that's why we expect so much more from him because he's a defenseman. Like, 
that's your first responsibility as a D-man is to be able to make sure that you can play in transition and play in your own zone. And it, it frustrates me so much knowing that he can make these unbelievable passes. His vision is just unreal. He, you know, he finds Lupina basically through two different bodies and just says, here you go. I'm going to put it in the perfect pinpoint spot for you to tip that puck in. And it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, it was a great finish by Lupina too. Like, you know, he misses that by a millimeter. It's going wide. Great finish by him as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that made it, made it to nothing. Uh, and then a minute and a half later, uh, UMass gets a two on one and Eric Faith with a, uh, a rip from the high slot snipe uh, scored the goal, made it three, nothing. Uh, so vibes vibes at that point were very high after the night we had on Friday. Yeah. We were feeling amazing at this point. I mean, three goals and it was basically what about 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah. First 10 minutes. Yeah. And I mean, it was a two on one. I, I was expecting the pass across quite frankly. I think it was Del Gaizo on the opposite, um, the opposite end there. Um, would have been nice to get him a goal. I think he probably could have sauced that across, but he said, screw it. I'm taking it myself. He's feeling confident. And that's what I like to see out of this team is confidence. Mm. You were up to nothing. You know, it's not one of those, like, you got to make the smart hockey play, get the cross crease or high percentage look. He said, nah, screw that. I'm, I'm ripping a bar down. He, you know, and it worked out perfectly. It was an amazing shot. Beat the goalie clean. You can't complain about that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> some things you can complain about later yes. on in this period. Um, UMass, three three penalties, very quick succession in the second half of the first period. So uh, two of them were, were trips, and then one of them was a, a bench minor for too many men. And Maine ended up scoring on two of those power plays again. Uh, Maine came in with a, a shockingly low percentage on the on the power play, eleven point seven percent, and they scored uh, two power play goals within a couple minutes of each other at the end of the first, which is honestly somewhat of a concern for me at this point. Yeah, I mean, the 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 bench minor, really unfortunate penalty. It was based just a line change where it seemed like Maine just kind of said, we're just going to throw it towards their bench. And if it hits somebody, it hits somebody. Like, <laughs> they all yelled on the bench too. They, it seemed like they were kind of gunning like, for that. I was going to say, it seemed like a set play. Like yeah. they were, they were looking to complain the moment that that puck were to touch anybody. But, and I think one of the tripping calls was a little soft. Um, one of them seemed pretty legit. I couldn't really, I'm not sure if it was the one that they ended up scoring on, but one of the, one of the, the tripping calls seemed pretty legit. The other one was really soft. Um, it's definitely concerning that we let such a low percentage power play score on us twice, especially in quick succession to kind of kill all momentum like that. But again, I think this ties into the fact that Ben Barr knows our systems. So I think if he was one of the guys that completely understood our power play just the year prior, which was a very effective power play, by the way, he's probably going to try and implement that, you know, to a, a pretty large extent and make some minor tweaks to kind of, cause he knows again, how we play our penalty kill as well. So, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, in, in my eyes, that, that situation is pretty unacceptable. I mean, the penalties included with the, the penalty kill. Um, I mean, on, on all three of those penalty kills, UMass seems smothered um, yeah. really, really kind of shrunk down near the goal uh, in the defensive zone. It just with the momentum that they had in the first 10 minutes, just something that, from from a team with 
as high aspirations as we have for it was very disappointing and and can't happen i mean other teams will take advantage of this way quicker than maine will so uh not not a great note to end the period on in my opinion yeah and just to add on that before we move on to the next period um both of those goals i mean we didn't really go into the specifics of the goals because i think both of them are extremely similar to each other it was basically a case of them having the puck along the point ripping a low shot trying to force a rebound and they just tucked the rebound away Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed on our penalty kills that we gave up the front of the net a lot, and that's that's not something you want to do, you know. Right. Like I don't want to single out Kessel here, but I did notice that the common denominator on both of those plays was that he was the defenseman down low, and he was always watching the wrong guy that was down low. It seemed like they always had two forwards in front of Murray, and mm-hmm. the one that he was on was clearly the one that didn't score because he was covering, but there wasn't another defenseman to cover the other guy. Like granted, yes, we're on, you know, we're a man down in these situations, the power play goals, but you got to tuck one of those forwards back. I feel like, like if you're not able to clear out the front of the net, those types of goals, like those rebound chains are going to go in every time, you know, like it's, it's a tough situation. It's kind of one of those damned, if you do damned, if you don't type things, you know, there's always going to be an open guy on the power play. It's how power plays work. I understand that, but I, I do think you have to do better there. Right. It was it was just my my biggest takeaway, I think, from this whole weekend, something I'd, I'd really like to see emphasized and, and worked on in the in the weeks ahead. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess we can move on to the second um, pretty quickly into the second. We thought uh, Faith scored a greasy goal out in front. Uh, it was called a goal on the ice. They went to review it and pretty quickly overturned it. I never I never got a good look at it. Uh, some of the some of the takes on Twitter were that it was. Uh, shouldn't have been called back, but uh, I don't. I don't know if you've seen the video on it. I got a pretty decent look at it on the jumbotron. Um, it wasn't zoomed in very well, but they had a few angles of it. Um, my initial reaction, I thought it was a good goal. It looked like there was. I, I don't want to say contact, but Faith was pretty firmly in the crease. He was definitely on the on the goalie's front porch, if you will. You know, he was knocking at the door. But I don't think there was any contact, at least from what I could see. And even if there was the main defender was basically on his back the entire time draped over him. So you would figure in that case, that would be an incident of the main player pushing faith into the goalie, which I think would negate any sort of interference. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a walking rule book, but usually that's been the way that it's called, at least from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. But apparently from what I heard, our department, our basically director of hockey operations has a nice little, a little booth up there. He has a bunch of different camera reviews, basically beaming down some information to our assistant coaches via an earpiece. And none of them had any complaints about the overturning. So I trust Carvel. I trust you know, all the coaches in this case. I trust their word. If they don't think it was, you know, a bad call by the refs, I'm going to hold my hands up and say that I trust them. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to, hard to argue with the, the video coordinator who has video on that. So um, yeah. And then as we, as we go along in the second, uh, there was no scoring. There was just a few things that I, I took note on. Uh, UMass really uh, did turn up the intensity, a lot of zone time, but nothing really seemed high, too high quality. And then uh, when Maine did have the puck, it seemed seemed as though uh, our defense really struggled to to clear the puck from in front of the net. A lot of high quality chances for them, but uh, Murray Murray kind of held strong and and kept this period scoreless. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a back-and-forth period, in my opinion. Um, it looked – I mean, it was definitely contested. You know, we 
either. Both teams kind of had a couple couple of weird looks. I mean, I think we heavily outshot them that period, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we did have moments where we were just really dominating them in the zone. Um, and that's kind of what you need. You really, like, we're up 3-2. You just don't want them to claw their way back into it like they did previously. Um, and I think we did well. I mean, we looked pretty solid. Clearly, you know, nothing went in on Maine's end. I think we had a couple of chances where, again, Osman playing very well. You know, he had a very good weekend for himself, I think. Um, I think both games could have been five goals for us, basically, you know, both games. We could have had a freaking, you know, a 10-goal weekend, and it would have been a lot different points-wise, I think, for us in the hockey standings. But, hey, sometimes goalies are hot and they play well and these things happen. Yeah, and, I mean, you said we had a big, a big shot advantage in that period. That continued going into the third. Uh, the, the final shot totals ended up being uh, 38 to 24 UMass, which is a pretty, pretty big margin. But yeah, we move on. We move on to the third uh, started very, very strangely. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd love if somebody could explain this a little to me, but uh, just appeared from our view that a second puck ended up on the ice yeah. somehow. If anybody knows what was going on there, I'd love to know that really messed with me for a little bit, wondering how that happened, but it did. Um, yeah. And then just, just wanted to go on a little rant about something else real quick. Um, there were some students in the student section, uh, who threw slices of tomato onto the ice. They did it once before play started in the third, they did it again during play in the third. And it happened to be when UMass had a full minute of zone time and is really turning up the pressure, trying to get that insurance goal. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody listening to this would be the type of person to do that. Um, I think you'd be a big enough hockey, UMass hockey fan to, to know not to do that. But um, that really just doesn't have any place in any sport throwing something. Um, I know it's a tomato. It just really uh, can put players at danger. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, in this situation, if it were to happen again, UMass would have been uh, – on the penalty kill because it'd be a minor penalty. So really hope to not see that again this year or years going forward. I frankly don't even want to even give them the time of day to even discuss it that much. I think you've kind of said your piece, like they're, they're doing it for attention. I don't even want to give them the attention. I think everybody here knows that that's not allowed where it's a, it's a complete detriment to what UMass was trying to do in that game. We were completely owning them in the zone. And then for them to just get a completely random stoppage of play, it's not worth it. You know, they got kicked out promptly. I say we just move on. They were acting stupid. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah, yeah, we can move on. Just just don't be that guy. Um, that, uh, that was just one of three instances of UMass really uh, having a tough situation, trying to score goals. Uh, there was a a pretty bad looking offside call um, when Harding had the puck in his possession and crossed the blue line, uh, which kind of stopped some pressure that we had going. And then just a terrible whistle um, when Osman wasn't covering the puck. The ref seemed to think that he was covering the puck and uh, started to add to the frustration for UMass. Yeah, it was definitely the, the pressure was starting to mount. You can kind of tell that the building, like they were already on edge due to the, the dreaded tomato incident you know, with all these odd goal or um, referee calls, you could just tell that the building really kind of needed a little bit of a release. And I think it was coming. Like we were just absolutely dominating them that period. Mm-hmm. And 
you're gonna you you know you're gonna mention this now but it ends up coming to a to a big climax <laughs> yep yeah and uh Garrett Waite again uh his third goal of the series he he really did it all himself an unassisted goal uh got into the slot got a shot off uh got his own rebound out of midair and tucked it in to make it four to two just a really really impressive goal and, and a really impressive effort from him this weekend I thought he played very well yeah, I think this goal really kind of shows um, our game plan kind of working out, at least for the second game. Um, I noticed that, you know, as we talked about in previous episodes, a lot of our offensive zone opportunities tend to run through the points and the defensemen. But I think this game we really tried to, I don't want to say bring it back to the basics because I don't think any really zone type of move is really extremely basic, but we really just try to play the puck low and in the corners and try and find guys in the slot because they were giving up the slot a lot. You know, it was, you know, you can pass there. You know, we would kind of set up a guy there. I think that's how Lopina got one of his goals. They kind of just, they they kind of collapsed around, you know, around the slot rather than clogging it up. And I think they kind of started to clog it up a little bit towards the end of the game, but the damage had already been done at that point. You know, once guys like Garrett Waite are able to get the puck in behind the net, mainly our first line, I noticed this happening a lot, our, our balance and our ability to play along those boards is so good and so critical at these moments in the game because they were giving us so much time and space to literally get skate into the slot. We had about maybe five or six shot opportunities where our back was facing the goalie and we had the puck and we would just spin around and rip. Like they're giving us those types of opportunities and there were great saves by Osman to stop it, you know, but on, you know, any given day, those could be easy, you know, easy goals. And I mean, in this case, Wait had one of those chances and converted it could have happened many more times if it wasn't for Hostman. Yeah. And uh, to, to keep it on that note, that's how the game ended four to two. Um, seemed like it could have been, been more than that with how the third period is going. And I, I just wanted to give a little bit of credit to Osman, the, the main goalie. I thought he was really impressive this weekend um, with a, with a defense that's not, not great behind in front of him. Um, I thought he played really well. Uh, deserved to end up on Sports Center, so uh, credit to him for this this series. Yeah, this series could have been a lot uglier if it wasn't for him. Um, you know, a complete ten bell save out on that. You know, Sports Center. You know, it might have been there. It might have been. It might have not been. I'm not actually sure. I haven't checked. But not even that. He had multiple other saves. I don't even think we mentioned. He saved. I want to say at least two or three cross creasers. I want to say at least four point blank shots in the low slot. Like he he made the saves that he needed to make and then some. I don't think he let in any quote unquote bad goals, like mm-hmm. the faith goal, maybe like usually in those two on ones, you tend to play the shooter and he got beat clean that, you know, he might want to get that one back. But again, it was a great shot. I don't really blame him that much, but you know, he, he definitely played well. Yeah. And uh, just some other small notes, Bobby had three points in this game, just kind of keeps, keeps chugging along. Uh, I thought Murray looked pretty, pretty solid. And yeah, so the, the weekend ended four points for UMass, which in in the grand scheme of things, it's not worthy of being too, too scared about. Uh, just maybe some some concern or hesitation going into these these last couple series of the year with with uh, how the standings look at the moment. Yeah. And speaking of the standings, I mean, I think we did get a little bit of help from outside. Like it obviously would have been great to get all six points. There's no debating that. You'd be a fool if you expected anything less, but it, it, again, it isn't the end of the world, as you stated, because I think Lowell dropped points against uh, 
Northeastern, I think they end up losing in regulation, which is huge for us. Like that right there, like that made it at least a little bit worth it, in my opinion. Like we at least got one point out of the first game. And I was like, all right, we're gaining ground. Like it's, it's something like, I felt like Shrek after the end, like when he does his big thing, you're kind of just like, ta-da, like, yeah, I guess it's okay. (laughs) You know, but it's still not great in the grand scheme of things, but it's something. Yeah, and 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 Lowell, like you said, they they had zero points against Northeastern. They'll get a, a chance to on Sunday afternoon to play UNH. So we'll we'll be watching for that outcome pretty intensely. And uh, also going to have to keep keep an eye on UConn. They've kind of snuck into the that that upper tier of the hockey East standings, and it'll be it'll be cool to watch UMass play them next weekend. But yeah, somebody somebody new to watch out for as we go through these last couple weekends. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that series next week. Um, we should be at both games. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, yeah. We're obviously going to get into the preview in a little bit, so I don't want to talk too much about them, but it's definitely it's going to be a good series and a very important series in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. Yeah, before we get too ahead of ourselves, uh, how about we go into our awards? Sounds like a plan. Cool. So uh, as you guys know, first award we give out here on High Character is the Carvel's character and compete award and uh with a three goal performance this weekend we have to give it to Garrett Waite yeah it's completely deserved he was a goal scorer that everybody expected him to be um you know I think Bobby is still definitely running the show you can definitely see him being you know a big time playmaker but somebody got to put the goals in you know it doesn't matter who sets it up it's all about that last guy that gets the final touch and Garrett Waite has that scoring touch I think he played very well. He did the things that he had to do. And, you know, it's it worked out for the best, obviously. I mean, three goals in two games. Can't get much better than that. I mean, you can, obviously. You can score infinitely many goals. But three and two, not too bad. Yeah, just an, an impressive, impressive weekend for him. And he's really been on uh, on a hot streak lately, especially with, with the goal scoring. It's it's cool to see from, from weight, obviously uh, – unlucky we didn't get to see a lot of him in person uh last year got to see his biggest goal of last year in person some of us but uh um yeah it's really it's really cool uh kind of bummed that he's a senior right now but uh just love what I'm seeing from him this whole season definitely so the second award that we give out here on high character is the nice try UMass award somebody that we uh we think we we can see a little bit of improvement of in the next gamer series our thought process here was maybe look towards somebody uh, who maybe, maybe was more, made some more costly mistakes in the loss rather than the win. And I think the person we decided on for this weekend is Moro. I mean, he, he had a few situations that really had us shake in our head on during Friday's loss that I think are, are fixable. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to rag on him. I just think, uh especially that that breakaway goal that Maine had to tie it on Friday I think just he's so offensive minded which is great because it pays off for for great passes and highlight real goals that kind of thing um it's just little little tiny mistakes letting that guy get past it can can cost the game and and we kind of saw that on Friday yeah, I mean, I want to definitely preface this award with, I, I don't even want to really call it like a full-on nice try UMass. I want to call it like a diet nice try UMass. <laughs> like, it, it was definitely a case where we know how well he is offensively. 
but I forget who posted it on Twitter. I want to say Nathan Strauss retweeted somebody else. It might have been like a Kane's Prospects um, Twitter account, but the gist of it basically was he is absolutely blowing the doors off in every offensive advanced metric you can think of, and he is almost rock bottom in almost every defensive advanced stat you can think of, which it's, it's, it tells the story, really. You know, I think it's a case of we're challenging him to become better because we know that he can. Because mm. once he becomes that complete defenseman, it's, it's a wrap, you know, like it's, it's just a complete wrap on basically any defenseman award going forward. He's going to be the best guy out there almost all the time. Yeah. If anything, this is a case for us uh, pitching, pitching him to stay for next season. I think if he gets that chance to play another, another year of college, I mean, we saw it with another familiar face defenseman at UMass with Kale uh, getting that second year, just the, the possibilities for a jump, in in stats and in ice presence is extremely high as we've seen i think i think he would definitely benefit from that and and definitely help him to become uh a complete player for what's sure to be his future nhl career yeah i'm praying he stays because there's nothing more that i want to see than that second year jump that we all know he can take absolutely all right and then for our third award that we give out is a custom award and you guys are going to have to stick with me here a little bit for this one. We are giving out the Golden Retriever Award. And uh, we're, we're giving out the Golden Retriever for Award because this player this weekend was very good at finding sticks. And that player is Ryan Ufko. He found a lot of sticks, made a lot of great passes. It just seemed like his vision was off the charts this series. Yeah, no, his, his ability to make passes from the point and find guys down low with just an absolute pinpoint precision pass is it was a big difference maker this weekend. I think Ufko really impressed us just in general with his overall play, but his playmaking ability, I think he, I want to say he had two assists. Uh, you might want to fact check me on that Cameron, but the, the two, the, the assists that he did have were beautiful, like with a capital B, like those were very nice assists. So we think it's just this is a really good time to highlight him. Um, he's been doing it for a little while now, but we're really hoping that it continues from him and just some of the passes that he he had this weekend. Like we literally had to just take a moment and kind of step back and just go like, holy crap, did he really just do that? Like mm-hmm. this is a freshman defenseman. Like we had to do a double take. We're like, is that moral? Like what's going on yeah. here? Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. He had two assists tonight and we we have just enjoyed watching him play lately. He's it seems like he's improving a lot as the season goes on. And obviously you could you could expect that from a freshman coming in. It's just uh we're seeing a lot of strides from him, especially with his vision and puck movement that uh have really impressed us. And we wanted to to highlight him here. Yeah, hundred percent. Really impressed with him this weekend. Um long may it continue. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, those are our three awards for this weekend. And uh, that'll, that, that kind of wraps up our review of the series. Do you have anything, any other thoughts left that you wanted to get off your chest? Yeah, I want, this was going to be something that I wanted to mention. I mean, this is kind of the perfect time to do it because it, it's something that had to do with the second game. But Nathan Strauss, amazing, amazing reporter, uh, WMUA, he posted a stat on Twitter a couple hours ago. We ended up winning, so... Josh Lapina and Lucas Mercury basically are number one and number two centers combined to go 31 and six on face-offs tonight. 
like that's unbelievable you know like there was a there was a couple of moments in the game where we just kind of took you know I don't want to say random but fairly low percentage shots on the goalie but frankly that's fine because if we get a stoppage in play we know that 75 percent of the time we're going to get that puck right back in the zone because our face-off guys are just that elite and it's one of those things that I think people kind of skip over a little bit you know like the casual fan might not notice it all the time but like the guys that are really kind of you know fine looking at these types of things they they notice those and they stand out so much in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things because I think we do like to do a lot of offensive zone possession I don't think we're an amazing team on the rush we tend to sometimes struggle if we're not on the power plays with zone entries we tend to do a lot of dump and chase so I think the offensive zone time that we do get is kind of amplified by the fact that we can essentially get set up in the offensive zone at will because we can win face off so often, especially in key moments in the ozone. Yeah, I think you make a great point. It's it's easy to overlook with how many face offs happen per game, but uh, I did I it didn't even register to me watching the game that uh, these numbers were were kind of accumulating like this. But yeah, very very impressive numbers, and all all the centers down the down the whole lineup have been pretty impressive in that regard for the whole season. Yeah. So that was just one thing I really wanted to get off my chest because I think it's such an important stat and not a lot of people would have thought about it unless it was pointed out. Right. Cool. Yeah. So definitely agree with you on that point. Any, anything else from this series? No, I think on that point, I think we're pretty good to wrap up. Cool. So uh, I guess we'll just, we'll take you on a little scoreboard watch of the hockey East to, to round it out. Um, obviously uh, Maine beat UMass in overtime on Friday and then UMass beat Maine 4-2 in regulation on Saturday. There were no other games on Saturday, so I'll just run through the Friday ones. Um, UConn beat C- BC 6-4. BC in a really, really bad slide. Um, Vermont beat New Hampshire 3 to nothing, which is big oof for New Hampshire. And then, like we talked about before, uh, Northeastern beat UMass a little 4-2. So uh, UMass... Gains a little bit of ground in the standings, but uh, I guess it's up to to Sunday's results versus New Hampshire to see where we stand during the week. Yeah, cool. So uh, I think that's that's all we have for this recap. Um, just wanted to say briefly before we go, uh, met up with a lot of a lot of people that listened to the pod over the weekend, going to both both hockey games and the basketball games, and we uh, absolutely love the support we're getting from everybody. So. Thank you so much. If you if you see Evan and I out at the games, uh, pretty pretty hard to miss. Evan's got the the teal Sharks Ferraro jersey, and I got the the white UMass Kale jersey. So uh, definitely come say hi. We love talking to you guys, uh, getting suggestions, hearing your feedback, that kind of thing. It was it was awesome this weekend. Yeah, no, I'm really happy you brought that up because I was going to. If you didn't like, it's it's really humbling just to kind of see like how many people like kind of recognize us like. I know, you know, we've kind of said thank you for the support basically after every episode, but like, it really is so true. Like, it's, it's, I'm kind of shocked, like when just people will just kind of like recognize me and I'm like, I'm just a hockey fan, you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe I kind of have this platform now. And it's really humbling just to kind of know that and know that people really appreciate what we have to say. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to meet everybody from UMass Twitter, like at the basketball game. Um, And just like, we were eating at Worcester. 
in between games basically and like we had a couple of people come up and just say like hey the, you know you're the podcast guys and i'm like wow like like we're still so early in this type of you know in this podcast universe but people are already kind of recognizing us and just it feels really good you know i'm really thankful for all the support so i just want to say thank you guys yeah thank you guys I, we love that we're able to uh so it sounds like fill a void for a lot of umass fans we love kind of being in that spot and uh yeah we just really appreciate all the support and have have a lot in store for you guys as the season and uh future seasons uh go along so be on the lookout for a lot more of us but uh other than that uh pretty good weekend nice catching up with a lot of you guys uh fun uh with you evan recapping the series and uh yeah that's about all we got thanks guys go umass go umass take care everyone 